All right. Did you bring your Bibles? All right, let's get into this. Let's make our declaration this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you bring clarity, truth, and understanding into our lives today from your word. In Jesus' name. And somebody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, Go with me to Hebrews chapter 5. And uh, I'll read a verse with you here as we begin. Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who is partakers only of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Verse 14, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use, somebody say reason of use. So look at by reason of you, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So God gave you a discerner on the inside of you. And the Holy Spirit brings discernment into our lives. Amen? And so when things like this are happening around us, we're not just supposed to be going along with the mind of this world. That's why Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, or that our mindset sits a little opposite to the mindset of the world. And so in that, but with that, then we should have discernment. And what that means is that things will come up that I may not be able to explain, but it just doesn't sit right with me. In my spirit, this doesn't feel right. My number one objection to all of this is, if this was so important, and you are mandating I get a vaccination just on this one issue. How come you're not stabbing every person that comes across our border? Just on the southern border alone, just since January, we have over 1.2 million immigrants who have come across our border, illegal immigrants who have come across our border that have actually gone through um, the, the, the system. And they have been displaced throughout the nation. They're being bussed, they're being flown, they're being relocated, but we're not mandating them to be vaccinated. What we're mandating people are hospital workers, our our primary care people, people that work in public service jobs, that you get vaccinated so you don't believe what you're imposing upon other people. So there's a contradiction there, and just that causes my discernment to go, something's not quite right here. Are you doing all right? And so in those areas in that, and it's just the same way. Oh, so you're going to mandate that people flying in from another country, flying in using normal transportation with the passport, going through the legal system, coming in on vacation or whatever, visit family, that they have to show proof of vaccination before they can come in the car, but you're not doing that in these other areas. Are you doing okay? So that right there blows the whole thing. Troy was telling me about a friend of his who was working down in the Bay Area and he was on a job and the person they were doing the contract for mandated that all him and all of his employees had to get vaccinated in order to do the job and to keep the contract. And then somebody come out of the office building where they're doing the job wearing a mask. They said, hey, how come you're not wearing a mask? Uh, how come you're wearing a mask? Aren't you vaccinated? So said, no, I haven't taken the vaccine. So an employee of the person doing the job making a contractor work for him mandates workers but hasn't mandated all of his employees. Are you doing all right? And so uh, that guy was a little upset. I don't blame him in that. But there, so if there's inconsistencies in this area, there's something that just sits in us for discernment. Lord, is this right or is it wrong? And so I may, that's why I say I may not be able to explain it, but where there's so many inconsistencies. Amen. And now what do we have? Now we have boosters. Now you have to get a booster. And now we're being told that the people who have the vaccination also are becoming the biggest spreaders of it. So wait a minute. So now you want me to become a mega spreader. So all these, I mean, where there's inconsistency, there is not truth. 
Are you doing all right? And, but in deception, what do people do? People are buying into the deception. You have to do that. And so, the, anyway. And when something is good, something is helpful, and something is true, you don't have to mandate it. It's there. Amen? So it says, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Look at the cover of your outline. Uh, this is going to go in a couple different directions this morning. I believe that because deception is the order of the day and a key indicator of the times we are in, that being led by the Holy Spirit in all things is imperative to the life of the believer. Being led by the Spirit today is imperative to your life. You have to learn to hear the voice of the Spirit. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, He will teach you and He will lead you. The Holy Spirit has a voice in your life. But you have to tune your ear to hear it. That's why Jesus said, let he that has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying. Okay? So it's so important to hear what the Spirit is saying. The main purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to lead and guide us into all truth. In this hour, we need His truth in our lives more than ever. Could you agree? Romans 8 just says that. 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Am I cutting in and out, David, or is there something going on there? Right. Okay, however, verse, John verse 16 and verse 13 says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak. Listen to this. Look what Jesus said. He will not speak. The Holy Spirit, listen to what he says. The Holy Spirit is coming and he will not speak. So God's voice is in your life by his spirit. And it's been amazing to me that the voice that we need most critically, the most critical voice that we need in our life today, the most necessary voice we need in our life today that the church has tried to keep out of the church for so long. The church as a whole, we don't want to hear about the Holy Spirit. We don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. We don't want any manifestations of that Spirit. We, we, we don't want that stuff. But listen, so now that we need Him, they go, oh God, what's going on? Well, when you kick Him out the back door, it takes a little while for Him to want to come back in the front door. Amen. So now, He will speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will what? tell you things to come okay he will tell you things to come now i understand in america we never thought we would face persecution or trial or anything like this we never thought we'd end up anything like afghanistan where you could be killed where you could have be persecuted on anything like that well no that'll never happen in america so we've lived in a perpetual state of denial and we become a well i'll do i won't say that we become, I, I never forgot it when we went to a marriage conference several years ago, and Mark Gunger said it best. He says, we've been experiencing the wussification of America. We've been wussified, we've been wokeified and wussified. Amen. And so to stand up and to face persecution and through the whole tolerance movement and acceptance movement and everything we've been educated, I, I said to the men yesterday morning, if you don't think you've been influenced by culture, that's an indication you've been influenced by culture. Okay? Because our mindsets, you, you have to war against the mindset of this world. You have to actively war about not being conformed to it. Amen? And here's an area that, that we've forgotten. What happened in Afghanistan is just this. We gave up our positions of strength before we achieved our objective. You never give up your position of strength before you achieve your objective. If our objective is to get everybody out, you don't give up your air bases and your embassies and, and your control over certain regions until you have achieved your objective. In your Christian life, you do not give up your position of strength as a believer. You don't cut off your confession. You don't give up your prayer time. You don't give up your church attendance. You don't give up the things that cause you to be... You don't give up your positions of strength until you have the complete victory. Are you doing all right? So it's so important. See, one of the signs of the last days is deception, which leads to the rejection of truth. 
If we look at all that is happening in our day locally, across our country, and globally, it is evident that deception is the order of the day, and people refer to believe, prefer to believe the lie over hearing the truth. Timothy, Paul said it to Timothy like this, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse. Now watch that. Deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just give you a couple of Greek words here in breaking this down on deception. The Greek word for deceive and deceived is the word plano. It's used over 60 times in the New Testament. It also means to go astray to roam, to err, to wander, or to seduce. Go to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, and beginning in verse 24. And Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken, because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. Now, when Jesus said you are mistaken, he said you are in error, you are misled, you are deceived, is what he told them. Because you don't know the Scriptures nor the power of God. And they're asking him questions concerning the resurrection. But concerning the dead, that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses, the burning, in, in the burning bush passage, how Moses spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. You are therefore greatly in error. Amen? So you err, not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. It's the same word for deceive and to be deceived. Amen? Uh, go with me to James chapter uh, 16 in dealing with err. I mean James 1, 16, excuse me. Trying to figure out how to do this this week was a, I'm usually not too challenged by stuff, but this was a, a challenge for me this week in trying to put this into a context. James 6, chapter 1, verse 16. Just very simple. Do not be deceived, my, dear, my beloved brethren. Do not be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation. If you go back up to verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when I am tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by what? By what? His own desires. Okay? We live in a day of excuses for our own desires. Intolerance for our own desires. Indulgence for our own desires. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it bursts, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So desire can be conceived in us. And if I allow it to be conceived in me, then my own desire has produced a sin that produces spiritual death in my life. So James goes on to say, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So deception is not just in the world. This is, the, this is an area that the church has to learn. We look at what's going on in the world, and we go, oh, look at the world. They're so deceived. I look at what's going on in the church. I say, when's the church going to wake up? Because there's as much deception in the church as there is in the world. 
in how we are to live, how we are to conduct ourselves, all the concepts and the individual ideas that everybody has. We are not individual believers. We are members one of another. Individual Christianity has been a plague on the body of Christ. There's no such thing as an individual believer. Yes, you are individually born again. You come to Christ on your own, but immediately you are baptized and set into a body. And you're a part of a body. But the devil has worked to have people in, in an individual self-seeking society to produce individual self-seeking Christians. That's deception. Well, I just take care of myself. I pray for myself. I don't need anybody else. I don't have to be a part of organized religion. I'm sure glad. I bet you're a part. You're a part of, you live in an organized body. I'm glad I live in this organized body. I'm glad all the members of my body aren't taking leave on their own. Amen. I'm glad all my organs aren't going on vacation and leaving me here alone. I mean, know what I'm saying? So we, we, we contradict ourselves, but yet when I think that way, that means I've been influenced by culture. And a deception has entered into my life. Are you doing okay? I'll break it down one other way. How many people in the nation of Israel died because of Achan's sin? 3,000 people died of the nation of Israel because of one man's sin, his sin. He brought it into the camp, and his sin brought into the camp, brought a corporate judgment on the whole nation. Well, it's just my life. My choices don't affect anybody else. Is that right? No, we're all part of a body. So what I'm saying is that deception, we're living in a day of deception. About my life, my choice, my conduct, my behavior. doesn't affect anybody else. Every choice you make, you're connected to somebody. Nobody is an island unto themselves, especially in the body of Christ. Are we doing okay? All right, so moving right along. So if we look at these things, also go, go to 1 John chapter 2. You're there, James. We'll just go there, and let's talk about just to seduce. The devil is a great deceiver. He is a seducer. He is a tempter. Amen? 1 John 2 and verse 26. John's writing says, These things I have written to you concerning those who try to, what? Deceive you, to seduce you. Verse 27. But nothing which you have received from, uh, deceive you. These things I've written to you. But nothing which you have received from him abides in you. You do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true. And do not lie just as it is taught you. You will abide in him. So the Holy Spirit, John says, is also your teacher. Amen. So don't let people teach you things that are going contrary to what the Holy Spirit says in our hearts and our lives. So God's admonition to it, so I put it in here, which reveals us, if we study everything about deceive, what the scriptures say about that, it reveals that the goal of all deception is to, to, seduce, is to seduce God's people and to cause them to err and be drawn away from the truth. All deception is to cause people to be seduced and to be drawn away from the truth. What was the, the, the error of Balaam? Balaam said, I can't curse God's people if you read it in the book of Jude. Okay, the, 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 the way of Cain, the, the, the rebellion of Korah, and the error of Balaam. The error of Balaam was is that he wanted to be, he said, I can't prophesy against God's people, but I can tell you how to get them to be led astray. So what you do is you get them to intermarry with the people of the land. And when they intermarry with the people of the land, the people they, the, the, the culture they marry into will lead them away from their relationship with God. And they begin to commit spiritual adultery and idolatry. And they'll come under God's judgment all on their own. He says, I don't have to curse them. I can tell you how to seduce them. You doing all right? Okay. So that's the goal. The goal of deception is to seduce God's people and to cause them to err and be drawn away from the truth. God's admonition to us from Paul is be not deceived. What we sow is what we reap. The Greek word planos for deceiver means a roving as a tramp, an imposter, a misleader, a deceiver, seducing. The word for deceivers in Titus, go to Titus chapter 1. Are you doing okay? Titus chapter 1. I'd give you something else, but all I know is the Bible.
I think it's fun watching the Bible come to pass today. Titus chapter 1, look at verses 10 and 11. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. So this is nothing new. A day of deception, deception is nothing new. It's been going on since the beginning. Amen? There was deception. What, what, what entered into the garden? What caused the fall in the garden? A lie and deception. Amen? Seduction and deception. It's been around forever. And the devil is amazed. He goes, hey, I only have one trick, and it's been working all these, gener- all these millenniums. So think about it. So Titus says that, and look at too many times... This is where we fall into trap. We want God's purpose to fulfill our desires. We're praying and we want God's purpose to be the fulfillment of our desires. Especially in the American church today. I have all these desires. I, 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 this is my prayer list. This is everything I desire. And I have all these desires. And I think God's purpose should be to fulfill my desires. God didn't create us because he needed something to do to keep himself busy. He created us for an intimate relationship with him, an engaged relationship, a communion, a fellowship, a love relationship with him, not to just to be somebody who performs to meet our desires. Are you doing all right? And so in that, too many times we want God's purpose to be to fulfill our desires when our desire should be to fulfill his purpose. My desire, your desire, should be to fulfill his purpose, not to have his purpose to fulfill my desires. Are you getting that? That has to be our desire. It's to fulfill, trusting that we will always find our fulfillment in him. Everybody look up here just for a moment. If Jesus isn't enough, what more do you need? If he's not enough, for you. What more do I need? And if, I, if I'm not hungry to discover all that he is to me, in me, and desires to be through me, then I need a counterfeit substitute for fulfillment. But if he is all I need, we sing songs like that. You're all I need. We sing songs like I surrender all. We don't mean all those songs. We sing them. That we don't, not, are you doing okay? You say, Pastor, why are you living like Because you're living in a very interesting day. The day we are in is a very interesting day. Casual Christianity, American Christianity, no longer works, guys. You're going to have to have the real deal. You're going to have to have the real deal. Because choices are coming down the pike that could mean this could cost me everything to stand for Jesus. But that, that, no, that don't happen. That doesn't happen in America. America's exempt from the Word of God. No, not quite. <laughs> That's right. And so, in fact, there's some areas in here in what people are saying, and one of the reasons of the exemptions on the religious exemption is that I believe this is either directly connected to or leading to the mark of the beast. And anybody who takes the mark of the beast loses out on redemption. Amen. There's no compromise with God. Are you doing okay? So watch it. I like this. Oswald Chambers said this, and, and I heard that it's so good. You need to hear this. A child of God is not aware of the will of God because he is the will of God. Oh, I wish I knew God's will. Just turn and look at your neighbor. If I look at Steve right here on the front row, you know what I see? That's God's will right there. He's God's will. I'm God's will. You're God's will in the earth. You are God's will. A child God does not need to, listen to this, 
A child of God is not aware of the will of God because he is the will of God. When we have deviated even slightly from the will of God, we begin to ask, Lord, what is your will? A child of God never prays to be made aware of the fact that God answers prayer because he is so restfully certain that God always answers prayer. Amen. But you have to understand, you and I are the will of God. And when we let our lives get out of order with God and His purpose for our lives, we become prime candidates for deception and can easily be led astray. When I become self-indulgent, self-aware, and start going after my own life and wanting God to fill my desire, then I become a candidate for deception. Instead of just making Jesus, Jesus, you're my all. All I need is you. All All I need is you. We say, all I need is you, you, Lord, you, Lord, and, and this, and then if I could have that, <laughs> and, and, and this, and, and then my birthday's coming, and so on this. Are you doing all right? And so, think about it. God is only doing, follow me here, God is only doing one thing in the earth, fulfilling his eternal purpose of redemption. The only thing God is doing in the earth is redeeming humanity. God's eternal purpose is the plan of redemption for all of humanity. What does Peter say? God is not willing that what? Anybody would what? Perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. Because there is coming a day, like I said, we're closer to the end of the book than the beginning of the book. And where does the book end? The book ends with a great white throne of judgment. And every person's name who is not written in the Lamb's book of life will be spending an eternity separated from God in torment. God doesn't want anybody on that day. It's not the heart of God for anybody to go. So he has a plan of redemption that he is working in the earth. And every generation that is alive until the culmination of all things is supposed to be connected to his purpose of redemption. That's why winning souls is so important. That's why when we look around our building right here, a few years ago we did it, the thing on where's Frank? Because Frank stood for friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, and your kids as friends and acquaintances. Because every empty seat is a big deal. Picture it like this. Every empty seat represents somebody not going to heaven. Every empty seat in a church represents somebody who should be there, that needs to be there to not go to hell. And there's some place where the church has to love people enough to where we don't want anybody to go to hell. As much as we want God to fulfill our own desires. Are you doing okay? I know this isn't probably the most exciting thing this morning, but that's the problem with the church today is that we want everything to be happy and it doesn't always work out that way. Amen? All right, so watch this. He's fulfilling his eternal purpose and redemption, and we are the will of God in the earth, meaning he fulfills his will and purpose through us. We are his chosen will in the earth today, the ones that God purposed to be here and to work through in this hour in the earth for his glory. Think about that. Everything that's going on, this, I get excited about this, because everything that's going on in the earth today, we're the ones God chose to be here. In this hour, in this day, we are his chosen will in the earth. We are the will of God in the earth today. That is all. Now, now what? What did Jesus pray in Matthew 6? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, what? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does God accomplish his will? Through your life and through my life. God's will is always accomplished through his people in the earth. Everything God has ever done in the earth, he's done it through his people. And so you are God's will in the earth. Whoever is connected to your life, whoever you have influence with, whatever your sphere of influence is, that's the will of God for your life. You don't have to look outside of your sphere of influence. God set you where he needed you to be to accomplish his purpose. Amen. We're the will of God. You're smack dab in the middle of it. Amen. I love that. Praise the Lord. So watch this. This might upset the apple cart of most modern-day prophets calling for the reviving of America. But America is not a figure in Bible prophecy. America is not in Bible prophecy. 
The nations of the world in Bible prophecy do not include America. I believe America was raised up to preach the gospel to the world. The greatest strength of America was when we were a missionary sending nation. The greatest strength of the church is what we did last week. We empowered and sent people to go into the world and preach the gospel. Preaching the gospel to the world, getting the message out, fulfilling God's plan of redemption, that's what America was raised up for. Amen. Now get this. And when God is ready to bring to fulfillment His purpose, America will have completed hers. We won't need to exist. Now stay with me. But what is happening on the world stage today, along with global deception and accompanied by the collapse of our nation from within, is very significant in Bible prophecy. Okay? America isn't significant, but what's happening in the destruction of our nation, have you noticed that our nation is not being attacked from without, but from within? Do you realize that in the 1940s when they wrote the Communist Manifesto, they actually said we will destroy America without ever firing a shot because we will infiltrate their educational system, we will infiltrate their government, we will infiltrate everything, and we will take our time with a long-term agenda, and over time we will turn the mindset of America around, and America has turned upon itself and is now consuming itself. From within, not from without. And people without are going, it is happening just like we planned. And they were willing to do that. One of the Taliban leaders said this. One of the head leaders of the Taliban said this. Get this. He said, we do not have to defeat you militarily. We just have to wait you out until you defeat yourself by quitting. You know what the devil says? He says, I don't have to fight with you. I just have to wait you out until you get worn down and quit standing. The Apostle Paul said, having done all to stand, stand. Have your loins good about but true. Put on the breastplate right, the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, and keep praying. So be armed with all the armors of God. Listen, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So when do you take off the weapons of warfare and when do you stop fighting the fight and when do you quit pulling down strongholds? Because the moment you quit, that's when you lose. That's why I said you never give up your position of strength until you get your final complete victory. Are you doing okay? And so where we are today, those are the things that have happened in our nation. And so here's the things that happened. And I said it earlier here. We have less freedom in America. When I heard this, I began writing it down. We have less freedom in America than we were under British rule. Excessive taxation, lack of representation. We're becoming a social welfare state. We have mandated loss of choice with the threat of losing our very right to make and earn a living. All being promoted through the spirit of deception and accepted and supported by the people seen Seemingly without, without uh, question. People are excited, and nobody's asking the question, why are they making us do this? We're just like going along, like sheep being led to the slaughter. Amen. Okay. So here's our problem. Guys, if you can put the picture up, we are a truth, we're living in a truth vegan culture in a Febreze world of deception. People say, well, I'm a vegan. I don't eat meat. We live in a nation that doesn't eat truth, that has no appetite for the truth. We live in a world that has no appetite for the truth. Everything that's being imposed upon us, and some of these things in, in this military exemption that I was reading part of, is the guy says that the, the survival rate of this pandemic doesn't warrant the mandate that's being imposed upon us. Almost a 99% survival rate doesn't mandate that. And, and, and where it is creating a problem, it's in specific cases with people that, that, that are in high-risk percentages. Amen? And so deal with that. But years ago, as, as I was putting this together, this, it just reminded me, because years ago, there was that commercial. I remember there were Febreze commercials. They had people sitting in cars and sitting around gas cans, smelling garbage cans and everything else. Oh, it smells wonderful. And they're sniffing garbage. And, and this lady was one of them. She's in this living room. And she's, oh, it just smells wonderful. And she's sitting in garbage, but she's blindfolded, being deceived by the smell. It's a smell that covers up the reality that you're in. 
Are you doing all right? And so this is where we are. And, and uh, several years ago, I wrote this out, and I didn't realize how prophetic it was. And it was around this. It says, ignorance is, has not just gone to seed in America, has grown into a tree that's producing a bountiful crop of deception, being eaten and consumed by a people whose taste has been changed to love it. We've become a nation of truth vegans. We no longer have an appetite for the meat of truth, for we've been convinced that the sweet fruit of deception is much healthier and much better for us as a society. Those who have made it their aim and goal to change the cultural, moral climate and fabric of our nation have worked very hard and extensively to infiltrate our government, our houses of legislation, our courts, our schools, and even our churches to be able to touch the tongues of our youth with the sweet flavor of their deception at the earliest age possible. Causing them over time to no longer recognize the flavor or aroma of truth. Therefore, when they hear truth later in life, they reject it as old-fashioned, non-progressive, intolerant, and a phobic outlook towards life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is the reason they have continually worked and strived to get the social issues of our day and their new morality to be taught in our schools at the earliest age possible. What are they trying to do with critical race theory right now? Teach it in elementary schools. Kindergarten on up. Think about it. Why? So that the next generation will, be a com will become accustomed to its taste and smell, embracing it as natural, even a normal part of their diet in their life. And eventually they will have completely removed any other fruit from their diet, causing them to no longer recognize the flavor of truth, and to spit it out as something harmful and detrimental to their health. Ending with no child left behind who has an appetite for the truth of their fathers. Are you doing all right? Because they have worked to mandate the force feeding of this fruit to everyone. Seeking to remove anything from their diet that has a contrary flavor or aroma. Even to the point of now making it illegal to even offer or to speak of any other fruit that would cause them to lose their appetite for the sweet-smelling flavor of their deception, all in the name of tolerance, acceptance, equality, and love. What's happening? We're now seeing the outbreak of its side effects upon the skin or the surface of our nation. Like an alcoholic who enjoyed the intoxicating and numbing effect of the drink, only to awake one day to the report that his, that his season of fun and indulgence is now killing him. Because all the while the deception of the drink was keeping him numb while eating him alive on the inside, eroding his liver, depriving him of his ability to filter out the toxins and to protect him. Let me ask you this. What parent would allow a complete stranger to come into their homes and change the diet and eating habits of their children. Telling their children that what their parents are feeding them is toxic. That they are depriving them of the true joys of eating all that is available. That they were probably born with a taste palate that is contrary, totally contrary to the food of their parents. That their parents only want them to eat what they eat. Thereby depriving them of the true satisfaction and joy of eating. Yet in reality, we have allowed strangers to teach our children that the diet and the recipes of truth that their parents, their grandparents, and all of their ancestors throughout time have been handing down have been filled with poison. As a result of this change in our appetite to love deception more than truth, we are now living in a Febreze world where we are fully content to live in the darkness under our blindfolds and convince ourselves that everything is okay because of the sweet smell of our personal lives and success. When in reality, we are sitting in the middle of a trash heap. But hey, at least it smells okay. So by all means, don't let anybody take the blindfold off. 
So where are we? Two things we've avoided in America and in the church. Number one is truth. Number two is conviction. I used to tease when we had pews because they were crinkling up, and I said, those aren't, those aren't stretch marks. Those are pucker marks. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, people squeeze their butt cheeks together and make pucker marks in our pews. But you know what we don't like? We don't like the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. To the dividing asunder of what? Soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and what? The thoughts and the intents of the heart. When the Word of God comes and the Holy Spirit comes, He shows me to me. He reveals my thoughts and my intents. And if I'm not honest before God, and if I don't want to be who God is trying to conform me into, the image of His Son, then when conviction comes, I resist conviction. And I call preaching hard. I call what I need hard in doing that. The second thing we admit is that area. So the truth of God's Word and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because neither allow us to be comfortable where we are. Truth doesn't leave you where you are, and conviction doesn't leave you where you are. And God doesn't want to leave us where he found us. Amen? He wants us to become conformed to his image. Are you doing okay this morning? So let me give you these four things. So the question becomes, what are we to do? How are we to live? Number one, you must be born again. You must be born again. Listen to this other statement by Oswald Chambers. The statement we so often hear, make a decision for Christ, places the emphasis on something our Lord never trusted. He never asked us to decide for him. He asked us to yield to him. Jesus, have you made a decision to follow Christ? Jesus asked us to decide him. He asked us to submit to him, to follow him, to give our life to him, to make him Lord of our life. Amen? That's something very different than what we hear. So you need to be born again. You need to completely give your life to Christ no matter what it costs. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 that they love not their life even unto death. Even as Steve said a minute ago, we're facing a decision that could cost you everything. One way or the other. Natural or eternal. Secondly, do not let fear have a place in your heart. With all this going on, this is not a time to fear. God's people don't need to be in fear. That's not what we do. Listen to what Jesus said. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have what? Tribulation. But be of what? I have overcome the world. So we're to be of good cheer. Things are going around. Things happening like this. I view it all the time. If, if whatever happened, all the things that we're concerned about, most of it is stuff. Amen? So don't let stuff deprive you of your joy. Number three, keep yourself rooted and grounded in the world, in the Word. Keep yourself rooted and grounded in the Word. Amen? Not in the world. Don't miss. Listen to what it says, 2 Timothy 3. But evil men, imposters, will grow worse and worse. Watch this. Doing what? Deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, that from childhood you have known what? The Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for what? Salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You need to be people of the Word. You need to be in the Word. You need to know the Word. You need to get back to the Word, maybe. Amen? And number four, you need to pray. Listen to what Paul says, Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind. Through Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Deception always comes by getting your mind to overrule your heart. 
The Holy Spirit puts peace in my heart, but if I get my mind engaged, overly engaged, then I lose my peace and I overrule my heart and I am allowed to be led in the wrong direction. Are you doing okay? And so today, it's going to mean that we have to do something. The, the, the information I put back there, I encourage you to get it. We will do our best to try to help you uh, in taking the exemption. But we're, it's just I just saw a news bulletin this morning. There was a, a clip of the mayor of San Francisco standing up, declaring mandates over everybody. And Laura's been given a, a thing that Kaiser's telling all their nurses that they have to be vaccinated. Some of them even starting as early as tomorrow and have the second vaccine in October in order to keeping to maintain their job this is crazy people this is a crazy day and somewhere in here we have to have the wisdom of God and the peace of God and the mind of God on how to respond amen and it may mean when I look at all this I see this is a doorway to shut down the voice of the church I heard this morning um, in, in, in one news blaster talking about the election coming up that this Newt Gingrich said this could possibly be the most corrupt election in the history of our nation on this recall. They're going to be doing ballot harvesting. They're going to be sending people to doors. Newt Gingrich said, you're going to vote whether you wanted to vote or not. And he said, they're giving people permission to print their own ballots. And we have... Kamala Harris coming in, you have Bernie Sanders coming in, you have Elizabeth Warren coming in to lobby and speaking again, because the, the conservatives are being labeled as a takeover and an overthrow and all this stuff, and we're trying to do to California what they did on January 6th and storm, all this stuff. So you're, you're, you're not in Kansas anymore. You and Toto are not in Kansas anymore, amen? And so uh, it's going to take some wisdom on how to deal with what's coming down the pipe. Amen? And along with that, we have all of our people that we're trying to minister to and love on here in our county through all of this. Dieter? Well, or that. It's here. Let me give you a ballot, and then we'll take your ballot. And as soon as we take your ballot, we're not an approved ballot thing, but we're not what we do it. But once they get your ballot, what do they do with that ballot? Or they use your signature for something else or how they want to vote. So the, the potential for fraud is amazing and what's going on and where we live. Let's stand together. Let's just take a minute and pray this morning. Um, let me encourage you in this. And, and I don't mean this. I don't mean not to pray for yourself. But I do mean this. Spend less time praying for your wants, desires, and what you need God to do in your life and more time interceding for others. And if you will do that, you will find God move more in the things you desire and the things you need. And you'll find you have to pray less for those things. In all of my life of ministry, one thing I found out in 40 years of doing this is that if I give myself to others, God gives himself to me. That if I sow into others, I reap what I sow. Be not deceived. God is my, my whatever man sows. That shall they also reap. So if you're praying for others to be healed, if you're praying for others to be protected, if you're praying and giving for other needs to be met, you know what you reap? You reap what you sow. And so in this season, spend time interceding and thanking God. Listen to what Jesus says. said, Father, I thank you. You hear me always, and you know what I need. You meet every need. So live in that place that God knows your need even before you ask. He just asks you, thanking, Father, I thank you. You meet my needs. Glory to God. Now I can move on. And begin to be a blessing to somebody else. So, Father, we come today. Lord, we lift up our county again before you. Lord, not just our county. We lift up our whole state. Father, so many homes and lives have been disrupted and turned upside down by these fires. So, Father, we just again pray your grace over our state and over the people, Father. Lord. You are an awesome God, and you're able to do miracles and awesome things. So, Father, we're praying again that you would move by grace and clemency upon our nation and upon our state, Father, that you would bring a resolve to these fires, Father, either by the turning of the wind, the changing of the climate, by sending rain. But, God, we're praying for these fires to come to an end and for your grace to be upon our state 
in Jesus' name. Father, we're praying for our government leaders and officials. And, Lord, we, we, we want to stand in agreement with your purpose and your plan. Lord, if this is the culmination of all things, and we are excited because we know that our reward is at hand as well. And so, Father, we thank you that we still have and we carry that hope and that expectation of our being gathered together with you. And, Father, we rejoice in knowing that we are safe, that we are secure in you. So we give you the praise and the glory for the assurance in our hearts today. And Father, we thank you today that you're going to continue to move on behalf of the needs of your people. Father, we thank you that miraculously you're going to show provision, you're going to show care, and we're going to see your compassion move in mighty way. Father, we pray for all of our churches that are working together. Father, every campus in our community, church campus, that have become a shelter, Father, for evacuees. Father, we pray your blessing over those congregations, over those pastors, over those teams that are serving their father lord we're going to come alongside them we're going to help we're going to support and partner with them as the body of christ Lord, we're going to show our community what the body of christ looks like we aren't individual churches we are one body we are one church and we're one kingdom in jesus name and so father we thank you that you're moving and bringing cohesiveness into the body of christ we thank you for bridges that are being built relationships that are being built in jesus name and walls that are coming down we thank you father that souls are going to come into the kingdom through this lord that there's going to be a harvest that comes out of this of people trusting you and calling upon your name so lord we give you the praise and the glory today father we thank you for your continued healing power today moving in people's life we declare that you are the healer and you are the restorer so we thank you that you're bringing help into the lives of your people in the name of jesus and lord again i just speak your peace over everyone this morning father that your peace would be upon them jesus said when you walk into a room. Jesus said, when we go into a house, Lord, you said you sent your disciples out, and you said, when you go into a house, let your peace abide there. So, Father, I release peace into the lives of your people today, Father, that they would be at peace, that they would be at rest in trusting you. And, Father, I pray for wisdom. Some are facing dramatic decisions in these next few days and coming weeks, Father. So I pray your wisdom, your clarity, your, your direction, and your discernment, Father. And we declare that we have the mind of Christ, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, that we have clear ears, and we hear your voice, and we're being led by your truth in Jesus' name. Somebody said? Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a good praise. Amen.